Welcome to the Sozo Church Podcast. Our desire is to see every person know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Enjoy. Good morning, everyone. How are y'all doing? I am super excited to uh, share with you guys today. Not going to lie, I'm a little nervous. Um, I'm a little rusty. I used to do this way back in the day. I know you're thinking, like, what, did you do this when you were five? But uh, it's been quite a few years, um, so I might be a little rusty. Just want to share some raw thoughts with you. Um, So if you could do me a favor and just shout me down, make me feel good, because if you do that, then I promise I'll speak better. And and maybe, you know, we'll all leave here better people. Um, So I just want to take a second before we jump into anything to honor Jason and Jen. Um, Yeah, aren't they amazing? Let's clap our hands for them. Yeah. Uh, Josh and I were actually students in Jason and Jennifer's youth group uh, quite, quite a few years ago. And so they have known us for a very long time. We've known them for a very long time. And I can tell you that they are as good as it gets. They are amazing people. And I am so honored and just so thankful to serve underneath y'all's leadership. And I appreciate you developing me, uh, investing in me, you know, when I was crazy. <laughs> And, uh, you know, you took a chance on me, and you always saw the best in me, and you brought that out of me. So thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. I love you guys. Um, In it to win it with y'all. Okay. And then also, before I get started, I want to take a second to shout out my besties, uh, which is the Dream Team. Dream Team in the house. You guys are my heroes. I love y'all so much. I cannot imagine doing this without any of y'all. It's crazy to think a year ago, I didn't even know some of you. I didn't even know you existed. And now I cannot imagine life without you. And I am just so thankful for you. I'm thankful to serve this city with you. I'm honored to serve this house with you. So thank you for your contribution. Thank you for always serving with great attitudes, for giving it your all. You guys are really amazing. Um, So, I know that I'm up here on this stage a couple times, uh, but I wanted to take a second to kind of introduce myself because maybe you don't know that much about me. I mean, I kind of just walk up here and kind of say a few things, but um, I have some pictures to show because I figured if I show cute pictures, then you'll like me more and you'll listen to what I have to say. So, um, Josh and I actually just celebrated eight years of marriage. I know. We got married when we were like 12, and uh, people in the South get married really young. Um, But we celebrated eight years of marriage. We have a two-year-old son named Luca Royal. I think they have a picture of him. Yeah, and he's so cute. You can say, aww. And we also have a very, very hairy, furry firstborn child named Pixel Ferreira. She is a multi-poo. Yes, that was her at Halloween. She was Bark Lightyear, and uh, Luca was Woody, Sheriff Woody, of course. Um, Yes, I am totally that dog mom. I'm crazy. Um, But so, like I said, we were, Josh and I were both um, students in Jason and Jen's youth group. He, little known fact about him, okay, I was able to find this picture in the archives, but the first time I met him, He actually had starfish hair. I have a picture of it. He was in a Christian, that's him, on the the right, on your right, that far right. Yeah, that that is his hair, like 
he did that. Um, and he was in a Christian screamo band, if that is such a thing. Yes, apparently those exist. And uh, I met him when his hair was like that. And I was actually uh, like a preppy tomboy who listened to ghetto rap music in my car with my subs, actually put pennies in my door so that they'd rattle more. Um, you know, it was high school. We were both very confused, so cut us a break. But um, a few, we were friends for a few years, as different as we might have seemed we were. Uh, we were friends, and after several years of friendship, um, we actually fell in love at the church summer camp. And uh, I know, we're a total cliche. And, um, but I actually, um, I, one day I woke up and I was like, hey, I think I kind of like this guy, which is weird because we've been friends. But uh, so I, this is how like most relationships start, right? The girl just like kind of goes up to the guy and just says, hey, I like you. Do you like me too? That's literally what I said. Like, no, like, introduction. No, I was just cut straight to the chase. Hey, I like you. Do you like me too? And his response was, I think so. And I was like, all right, cool. And uh, so then we got married in 2010. And Jason actually married us. We got married at the zoo, which is really fun, at the seal exhibit. The seals actually, like, clapped for us when we got married. They're like, ar, 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 ar. It was really, really awesome. So, um, you know, I like to think that we're unique and special. Um, but so that's a little bit about me. Um, but my hope for today is that uh, all of us would not leave here perfect, but um, that we would leave here maybe just one step closer to whatever it is that God wants for our lives. You know, if we can leave here just one step closer to fulfilling our full potential, just one step closer to being more like him, then that is a success. And so that is my prayer today. So I just want to share a couple thoughts with you guys, something I'm pretty passionate about. Um, and this, these are things that I'm still learning. So I am no expert in this field. Um, but I just hope today that we could just be one step closer to him when we leave here. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to come into your house, to learn more about you, to seek after you. God, we consider it a privilege to sit in these seats in the midst of your presence. And so God, I pray, Lord, that every single word that is spoken today would not be my words, but they would be your words. God, I pray that you would open up our hearts to receive whatever you have for us today. God, that your word would fall on good soil and that we would leave here changed and encouraged. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Elton. You're the best. Um, all right. So today, I'm going to scoot this. I keep scooting it, but I'm just going to go ahead and just go for it. Okay. So let's talk about one of my greatest passions, okay? You're thinking like, oh, what is it? Is it Josh? I mean, that's one of them. Um, no, actually, one of my greatest passions is the local church, um, I love the local church. If you can't tell, I love it, I love it, I love it. A lot of people think that because of my role here at Sozo, you know, as helping out with his, as associate pastor and creative director, that I'm actually a paid staff member, and I'm not. I'm actually completely volunteer, um, and I do everything I do because I love the local church, because I love Jesus, because I've experienced his grace, and I want others to experience that same thing. 
You know, I honestly, I look at my life and I wouldn't have anything I have if it wasn't for the local church. When I was 17 years old, um, a girl at my home church in Louisiana, she actually saw a gift inside of me and she said, hey, why don't you come sit with me? She was a graphic designer at the church. She said, why don't you come sit with me and um, just see if you this interests you and if you want to learn more about it. And so I sat next to her for a year, and I learned, like, everything I could. I fell in love with it. The church actually began to give me opportunities. They began to develop that gift inside of me. They took a chance on me. And, um, and now, I mean, I've been a freelance designer. I operate my own freelance business. I've been doing that for over 10 years now. And I've had the honor, yeah, thanks, Teresa. I've had the honor of helping churches and nonprofits, you know, uh, express God's love through design and through environmental design. And um, it's been a huge privilege. But so I look at my life and I just am so grateful and thankful for the local church because it's where I discovered my gifts. It's where I developed my talents. It's where I met my best friends. It's where I met my husband. It's where I've built a life. My life would look completely different if it was not for the local church. And so I'm extremely passionate about it. Um, Now, I understand that a lot of people may not have the same impression of the church as I do. A lot of people, unfortunately, may have a negative impression. They may have had a bad experience, a hurtful experience when it comes to the church and Christianity in general. You know, unfortunately, the church is made up of people, and people are flawed. And so, um, you know, I understand that not everybody in this room, um, and even sometimes in our life in different seasons, we may not have the best impression of the church. But my hope today is that we would allow God to show us what he intended the church to be, to see it how he sees it, Um, not how we see it or perceive it or how we've had our um, perceptions change because of other people. My prayer today is that we would truly see the church for what it is, and that it's, it's a beautiful gift from God. It is a beautiful gift, and it deserves our honor, and it's worthy of our sacrifice. Amen? So I'm going to jump right into it. Um, I'm going to ask you this question. Why do you think God created the local church? I mean, why does it exist? Um, and I think, honestly, simply, he created it because he knew we would need it. I mean, think about how, have you ever stopped to think about how you're designed and how because of how you're designed that you need the local church and you need community? I mean, God was kind of a genius when he put this whole thing together. He designed you with this desire to leave a legacy, to make an impact, to build something eternal. And then he paired that with unique giftings and talents inside of each of you. And then he created a church that has an exact void that only you can fill. I mean, I think that is so beautiful. Um, you know, and so he created the church for us. He designed us for community. He knows we're no good by ourselves, and he knows that we're better together, Um, and so he created different expressions for different personalities so that everyone could, could connect with him in a way that makes sense to them based on how they're designed. I mean, the church really is such an amazing thing. I love 1 Corinthians 12. Um, I think it explains it beautifully. Says the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. 
Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not a part of the body because I am not an eye, (laughs) that voice came out of nowhere, would you make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Did you realize today that you are a part of something larger than yourself? You may have thought that you walked into this building and you sat in a seat by yourself, but do not be mistaken. You are not alone. You are a member, a part of a spiritual family in Christ, and you are not alone. 1 Corinthians 3.9 says, For we are co-workers in God's service. Psalm 69.9 says, David says, Passion for your house has consumed me. David was known as a man after God's own heart, so clearly he had the right priorities. Um, today, I want to ask you some tough questions, um, I, 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 and I pray that as I ask these questions and as I talk to you about these things, that you would hear what I have to say as God speaking it to you, not as a human speaking it to you. I do. I, I, the last thing I would want is for the enemy to play games in your mind and to twist the words that I'm saying. I'm not here to guilt you. I'm not here to pressure you. I'm simply trying to call things out of you. I'm not trying to ask you to do anything that God hasn't already modeled for us, okay? So some of these tough questions that I wanna ask. How do you approach the house of God? When it comes to the local church, are you a consumer or a contributor? Are you church hopping or are you planted? Are you visiting or do you have a place to call home? Are you a customer or are you a coworker? Do you consume or are you consumed? You know, we live in a very extremely consumer-based culture, and oftentimes it can be easy for us to have an unhealthy perspective of the local church. We can have unhealthy uh, boundaries. We can have unrealistic expectations. And if we're not careful, we can let the devil destroy everything that God is trying to do within the local church and within us. Um, I thought about these two things, two ways that we can sometimes approach the house of God if we're not careful. The first is maybe we approach the house of God in the local church like a shopping mall. You know, a shopping mall is a place where you go to fulfill your wants, not necessarily your needs. Um, You go there to keep up with appearances. You might go there for retail therapy, like a temporary quick fix. Um, It might just be a form of entertainment or a social obligation. You know, you might just be going there because your friends are there, but you're not actually shopping for yourself. And, you know, it might be a place that you go to, to purchase some garments and put on a, and create a certain persona, put on a superficial cover up, you know, and at the end of the day, if you don't like what you see in the store, just go to a similar store, no big deal, you know. The other way I think that sometimes if we're not careful, we can approach the house of God is like we treat it like a hotel, a five-star luxury hotel. You know, a hotel is a place that we travel to and we visit, and we visit there temporarily. 
but we're not actually staying there. We're not living there. You know, maybe we're trying to escape from reality. Maybe we just want want to enjoy the conveniences and luxuries that a hotel provides. You know, the fresh sheets, the air conditioning, the room service, the maid service, you know, all those nice things. A hotel is a place where you don't have to pick up after your own mess. Honestly, I think that's why I sleep the best in hotels because I know the next morning I don't have to make this bed. Like, I'm just going to come back and it's just going to be magically perfect. And, you know, but at the end of the day, I know that my problems are not my own problems. They're someone else's. Someone else is on cleanup duty. I don't have to take responsibility for my stuff because someone else is taking care of it. Um, Hotels also provide a great spot to rest, but we can also easily put up a do not disturb sign on certain areas of our life. You know, sometimes we can walk into church and say, okay, God, I'm here, I showed up. But, oh, wait, no, that area, um, no, do not disturb that area. That area is off limits. Um, A hotel is also a place where you can feel easily entitled You know, you traveled a long way to get there. You paid for your room. So you walk in there like you own the place and you demand certain treatments. You expect certain things from the staff. Um, You know, if they don't put that chocolate mint on my pillow and if they don't fold my towel into a little fancy swan, then I am leaving because they don't deserve my business and they don't know how to treat their customers. You know, I'm going to give them a bad review on Yelp because I want the fancy swan. Y'all know what I'm talking about, the fancy swan. Yeah. Um, the problem with all of these things is that if we treat the house of God like a shopping mall, then we're really just keeping up with appearances and we're addressing superficial needs, but we're not actually addressing our deep spiritual needs that we have. It's becoming more of an exchange of goods or services and not an exchange of the spiritual. If we treat the house of God like a hotel, um, we'll be entitled and we expect certain things because we've paid our dues. Well, I served last week and I paid my tithe, so they better, Elton better sing that song good because I'm paying for a good show. You know, we make demands and we can expect certain treatments or we're just escaping from our problems. We don't want to deal with what's going on in the real world, but at the end of the day, there's no actual commitment or loyalty. You know, and relationships like these can only last temporarily. It's just a temporary fix. I believe our greatest fulfillment will come when we lay down our entitlement. What would happen, just imagine this, what would happen if we stopped asking, what can God do for me? And we began asking, what can I do for God? What would happen if we stopped expecting our leadership to solve every single one of our problems? And I'm preaching to the choir here, you know. What if we stopped expecting our leadership to solve every single one of our problems and we began to invest in our own lives and do the own work, do the hard work, and seek after God for those things? What would happen if we stopped asking, what can the church do for me? And instead we started asking, how can I contribute to the local church? You know, God wants us to make a difference. That's why he put us here. But the enemy of our souls wants to distract us from our purpose. And if he can get you to keep thinking that this thing is all about you, that this thing is all about how you feel and what you need and what you deserve, then he can distract you from your ultimate purpose. You know, I I really think, I don't think the devil really cares if you're going to heaven. 
I think he cares how many people you're bringing with you. And if he can stop you from making a difference in the life of someone else, then he's one. He wants to stop you from serving. He wants to keep you from committing. He wants to keep you from growing. He wants to keep you from developing. He wants you to remain dormant and stagnant in your relationship with God. His word says that he desires to take us from glory to glory. And I believe that he desires to take us from being a consumer to a contributor. The church is not a shopping mall. The church is not a hotel. The church is meant to be a home. A home is where you live and you dwell and you build a life. You invest your heart and your soul into it. It's also a place where you do your own dishes. <laughs> Can I get an amen from all the people with dishes in their sink? Amen. <laughs> I got dishes in my sink. It's okay. We all do. A home is a place where you create your own memories. You learn new things and you walk through difficult times, not alone, but together with family. The dictionary defines the word home as a place where one lives permanently, especially as a member of a family or a household. You are a member of a royal spiritual household. And God, he is our father, the head of our household, and we are his children. And we are all in this thing together. A home is also where you plant yourself. It's a place where you not only consume, but you contribute. And everyone, honestly, everyone deserves to live in a home that they love. That is God's desire for every single one of us. You know, I think about Luca. He's super cute. He just turned two years old. And I don't, I don't really necessarily have a ton of expectations for him when it comes to contributing around our house. I mean, he's too, like... The other night, he got poop all over our couch, you know, so my expectations are pretty low as far as, like, him doing dishes and stuff like that, you know, so, but, but because of his age and his maturity level, there's just, I don't expect a lot of him right now. He is a consumer. That is okay, but there will come a day when he reaches a certain age and maturity level that I will expect more out of him, and I cannot wait for the day when I can say, son, it's your turn to do the dishes, and he's going to just joyfully agree and say, yes, mom, of course, whatever you need. I cannot wait for that day. You know, that's similar to the spiritual maturation process that God wants to walk all of us through. You know, if you're, if you're a first-time guest here, you're probably thinking, like, this lady is crazy. It's my first time here, and she wants me to sign my life away. No, please don't misunderstand me. That is not what I'm asking. You know, if you are a new believer, you know, you are, you are a consumer, and that is okay. That is where you should be. You should be consuming every single part of worship, every single part of a message, every single piece of God's word. Your spiritual health is your number one priority right now, so you make it a priority to consume as much of God as you can. But there will be a day, once you are healthy, that God will require you to grow. That is part of life. That is part of the journey that he takes us on. God will eventually call all of us to move from being a consumer to a contributor. You know, 1 Corinthians 3, Paul references this. He talks about how new believers are like infants who drink milk. You know, and infants, they can't digest solid food until they're a certain age, you know, and that's okay. But eventually, they do eat food. Eventually, they do grow, they do develop, they evolve, they adapt. 
Um, so my advice to you today is don't resist the maturation process. Do not prolong your adolescence. You know, God has placed something inside of you that is so significant, and he has placed a void in the local church and in this world that only you can fill. And so he wants to do everything he can to see you fulfill that. So don't let the enemy win. Don't let the enemy keep you dormant. Don't let the enemy keep you immature. Allow God to grow you, to stretch you, and to mold you into all that he's called you to be. So I wanna talk to three different people in this room today, and I wanna give these three different people a few next steps for maybe some advice, things that I've learned throughout my journey. The first type of person I wanna talk to are consumers. Um, And I say that word, I don't wanna guilt you or make you feel bad for being a consumer. We all started there, okay? And there are certain seasons of life where you have to consume more than you contribute. I mean, that's just the rhythm of life. Um, but if you are a consumer, can I encourage you to take your next step? You know what that is. You know where you are. You know, maybe you don't even know, have Jesus in your heart. Invite him into your heart today. Accept his salvation. Maybe you've never been baptized before. Get baptized today. It's a perfect day. Um, you know, maybe you've never attended the growth track or you've never gotten involved in a small group. Maybe you've never given before. Maybe you've never served before. If you've never given before, give. If you've never served before, serve. If you've never you know, uh, got, gone to a small group, go to a small group. Whatever it is, take that next step. I believe that God will reveal what that next step is to you. You know, and that doesn't just apply to consumers. That applies to all of us. There is always a next step that God is wanting us to take, no matter what season of life we're in. None of us will ever arrive, okay? There is always something more that God is calling us to, amen? Next piece of advice is to plant yourself. And you don't have to plant yourself here. I mean, I'm not paid. I'm not trying to get anything from you. Like, you don't have to plant yourself here, but just plant yourself somewhere, There are so many, honestly, and if Sozo is not the place for you, that is okay. There are so many amazing life-giving churches in the Bay Area and all across the country, and we would love to connect you with some of them. They are our dear friends. We are not in competition with them. They are our comrades, and we are fighting for this city together, and so we would love to see you planted somewhere. Um, Psalms 92, 13, or 12 says, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. I want to ask you a question. If you took inventory of your life today, and if you asked the question, am I flourishing? And the answer was no. My question then to you would be, well, are you planted? You know, The redwoods and mirror woods don't grow to that height without having deep, deep roots to support them. And those deep roots did not grow overnight. Those roots took time. You can't expect to have deep roots that grow if you are constantly repotting yourself, if you're constantly upheaving your life and moving on to another garden. You know, I would encourage you to plant yourself, stay planted, and the next piece of advice I would give you is be patient with the process. You know, be patient with that growth process. It takes time, and there is no substitution for time. I'm sorry. If you're anything like me, you're super impatient. I get it. I I, I hate waiting, but there are just certain things that just take time. Um, You know, I think about Josh and I. We celebrated eight years of marriage. 
how silly of it would it be if I looked at our marriage and I compared it to the marriage of someone who's been married for 30 or 40 or 50 years? Well, that doesn't make any sense because I can't expect Josh and I to be on that same level. We haven't put in, put in that amount of time. You know, those people have put in the time. They have put in the work. They are probably getting really big mansions in heaven because marriage ain't always easy. Amen? Um, I'm just kidding. It is a walk in the park. Blessing in my life. Um, but I cannot expect... I cannot expect my relationship with Josh to look the same as someone who's been doing it three times longer than I have. So when you do decide to plant yourself and those roots begin to take root and they begin to grow, be patient with that process and understand that it will take time. You can't expect to walk in the doors and expect like we've been doing this for a hundred years together. No, we just started this thing. We're, we're babies in this thing together. You know, so give it time. Um, the next piece of advice would be make the sacrifice an investment. I know, that's not a fun one. No one wants to talk about that. No one likes sacrificing, and if you do, I have nothing to say to you. <laughs> no one likes sacrificing. It is not fun, but can I tell you that sacrificing, whatever sacrifice you make for the local church, it is worth it. I promise you, okay? And I, I know that's like, well, how do I just take your word for it? Well, you're just gonna have to see for yourself. So just go ahead and make the sacrifice and make the investment. You know, I think about the gospel. The, the very gospel is built on a sacrifice. So like I said, God is not asking anything of us that he has not already modeled. Um, you know, I understand that we all live with very little margin. You know, we live in the most expensive city in the world, and we pay the most expensive rent prices, and we work crazy hours, and we commute, and we just, we have very little margin. I get it. And I'm asking you to take that very little margin you have and to give it to something else. Um, but I just challenge you, just give it a shot. Just try it. You never know. This might be the very thing that you've been missing, the very thing that you've been craving. And I promise you that you cannot outgive God. Whatever you give, it will be returned to you 10 times fold, more than you could ever ask or imagine. He will do so much more in your life, and you won't even think about those times that you sacrificed. Um, next point begin actively serving. Maybe you've considered serving on the dream team, but something always holds you back. Just go for it. I promise we're all nice. We shower occasionally. We don't smell bad. Um, Matthew 20, 28 says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, if we want to be anything like Jesus, we need to learn how to serve. And to me, there's no greater place to serve than the local church. There's really no other substitution for it. I mean, think about it. What other place can you invest your time and your talents and your money and your gifts and your resources and not only make an impact in this life, but in the life to come? That is a good return on, on investment. Um, last advice I have for you is be motivated by grace. Don't let guilt be your motivator. Like I said, I do not want the devil to play mind games with you, to twist my words. Um, this is not a guilt game. Um, do not let guilt be your motivator. The greatest motivator for giving, for serving, for sacrificing is grace. And if I could just remind you of what your life was like before Jesus entered it. 
Like, do you remember that moment where you first experienced his grace and that weight lifted off of your shoulders and you felt like you could breathe again or the first time you were able to make a contribution or serve or impact someone's life? Do you remember that feeling? Don't you want others to experience that same grace? I mean, it's kind of addicting. That's why I do everything I do. Like I said, I am not paid to be here. I am not paid to do anything that I help out with around here. I do it because I want others to to experience the same grace that I have because I cannot imagine where my life would be without it. Um, You know, we always say at Sozo that we don't want something from you. We want something for you. And any healthy church would agree with that. Healthy churches aren't trying to get something from you. They're not trying to take advantage of you. You You can't be taken advantage of if you give your advantage away, you know? It's not about what we want from you. It's about what we want for you. And we believe that God wants to develop you and grow you and mature you. And he wants to see you walk out all the potential that he's placed inside of you. The second, consumers, you're off the hook for now. Um, The second group of people I want to talk to in this room are contributors. And contributors, you probably thought like, oh, I'm off the hook. She's going in on these consumers. And, you know, I've done my deed and I served and I'm good to go. Well, I want to talk to a specific type of contributor. I want to talk to contributors who are weary. I get it. I've been there. You've been serving for a while. You've been investing for a while. You've been building and you're tired. That is okay. You are human. It happens. We all need to learn how to rest. We need to learn how to enter a season of rest. That would be my first piece of advice to you is you need to learn how to rest Ask yourself the question, why are you weary? Is it because of the actual work that God has placed in front of you? Or are you weary because you've been striving for something? The Bible says that in him there is no striving. That, so maybe we just need to learn how to rest. And this is a really tough one for me because I'm an activator. That is like my top strength. I am a to-do list person. I will do a task, and then if it wasn't on my to-do list, then I go and write it on my to-do list, and then I can mark it off my to-do list. I am an activator. I like to get stuff done. And resting is extremely hard for me. Um, But I think it's so important that we learn how to rest, learn how to just be in his presence, not do anything in his presence, just be in his presence. Um, It's a lot harder uh, said than done. Um, The next piece of advice I would give to people who are weary is don't isolate yourself. You know, I've been talking about the spiritual family You are a part of a spiritual family. You do not need to walk through this season alone. Let others know where you are. We've all been there before. You can be vulnerable with us. We can be vulnerable with each other because when we are vulnerable with each other and we are honest and we tell one another, hey, I'm just tired lately, you know, like we can come alongside one another and encourage each other and and help us walk through that weary season together. The most important piece of advice I would give a weary contributor is to keep a willing spirit. Don't let the enemy rob you of your willingness. You know, he'll start speaking lies to you, saying that, oh, well, they don't appreciate you, or it doesn't make a difference, or, you know, you deserve a break, or you deserve this me time because you've put in the time. He'll start speaking all kinds of lies to you, and they'll slowly begin to harden your heart towards the things of God. 
And it is so important that we keep a willing spirit, that we meditate on his word, the promises in the Bible day and night, because those promises are going to be the things that guard our hearts whenever the enemy starts to try to lie to us. Um, This scripture has oftentimes been a prayer of a prayer of mine um, in seasons of weariness. It's Psalms 51. It says, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. What will sustain you through those weary seasons? It's a willing spirit. It's the basics, honestly. It's having, keeping a pure heart, having a steadfast spirit, being in his presence, just in simply enjoying the joy of his salvation and keeping that willing heart. Last piece of advice for you weary people out there, speaking to myself here too, don't give up. Just don't, don't give up. It is a simple decision that you make and I know that it's sometimes so hard and it can be so easy and you think about, oh, what life would be like if I just decided to do this instead, don't give up. You are needed. You are irreplaceable. Your contribution, it can only come from you. And we need you. We need you to not give up. Keep serving. Keep giving. You and I both know that the work that we're doing and the harvest that we're waiting for is worth it. That one day we will see a return. One day we will see the harvest. We just need to be patient. It's all in God's timing. Last type of person I want to talk to today is a contributor. Again, yes, contributors, you're not off the hook for the second time in a row. A contributor who's been hurt. This one is um, pretty sensitive to me because, I mean, I'm sure many people in this room, but I've been hurt before. Shocking, I know, I've been hurt. Um, These were hard lessons learned, but the first piece of advice I would give you is to find closure however you can. You know, I understand that maybe you may never really receive an apology. I understand that you maybe um, have been hurt by church leadership or you've been hurt by your past church experiences. Well, I would love to take a minute to just, tell you on behalf of those who hurt you that I am sorry. I am sorry that you were let down. I am sorry that um, you were disappointed. I am sorry that you were hurt. Uh, No one deserves to be hurt in that way. And I hope that the hearing those words, even though they're just mine, I hope that that can bring you some sort of closure and move you forward to the healing that God has for you. Um, But find closure however you can. Second piece of advice is to keep walking. Don't get stuck somewhere mentally where you are no longer at physically. Um, You know, don't allow your offense with an individual to create an offense with an entire institution. You know, just because your church leadership may have hurt you does not mean that all churches in the world are evil or that Christianity is evil. Just because you eat at a bad restaurant once or twice doesn't mean you stop eating altogether. You know, there are healthy, life-giving churches out there. So keep walking through that healing. Psalms 23, 4 says, Even though I walk through through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. That scripture, I love it because the key word there is walk. 
There is action. There is movement. There is intentionality. It doesn't say, even though I just sit here in the darkest valley, it says I am walking through that darkest valley. I will not let it overcome me. I will not let it overtake me. I will not become a victim. I am going to walk to the other side of this and see this through, and I will be victorious. Amen? So keep walking. Keep a healthy perspective. You know, I think it's very easy to slip into the mindset that everyone who steps onto this platform is perfect. I know, it's like, you look at me and you're like, oh, she must be perfect. I'm not. Um, No, but keep a healthy perspective. Remember that your church leadership, they're human. We're all human, that your fellow church members are human. And last time I checked, humans were a little flawed. So just have proper expectations you know, don't expect too much from people. And I know that sounds strange maybe in a world where we live to say like, well, I deserve this or I expect this. I'm worthy of certain expectations. But just remind yourself that like, we're all human here. We're just doing the best that we can. And I think there are very few people on this world that have absolutely evil intentions and they are out to get you. I mean, I'm sure there are people like that exist, and if those people are in your life, then I would say run the opposite direction. But, you know, we're all just human here. We're doing the best that we can. Um, So keep a healthy perspective. And to extend the grace you hope you one day never need. That has been a huge piece of advice. Pastor Jason says that all the time. Um, Grace, grace on grace on grace on grace on grace. I mean, as much grace as you can give, because let's just hope one day I never need it. Amen? Uh, The next piece of advice is to actively pursue healing. Find the right place to heal. Um, And that doesn't necessarily mean you have to like stop serving, stop doing what you're doing. I mean, use wisdom. If it's an unhealthy situation, an unhealthy place, then don't stay there. But find the right place to heal. You know, Josh and I walked through um, some unfortunate circumstances several years ago, and we had to find the right place to heal. And so we served at an amazing church in Texas, Gateway Church, um, for a few years. And um, it was amazing for us. But just because we were hurt didn't mean we just stopped serving or we didn't stop put pause on our calling. We continue to walk through that, but we also actively pursued healing. Um, You know, it's kind of similar to like, if you leave the scene of an accident, that's a good idea. But if you don't go to the hospital, your arm's still gonna be broken. So find the right place to heal. Find a hospital, you know, find the correct place for you to heal and let God refresh you. You know, I've been where you are. If you have been hurt, I've been where you are. Like I said, several years ago, Josh and I walked through some tough situations um, at our home church in Louisiana, and it totally uprooted and changed the course of our lives. I mean, I thought I was going to die there. I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life there. And in one day, everything changed because of some mistakes and bad decisions. And um, I remember being hurt I remember being so just disoriented and disillusioned with the whole idea of church and ministry in itself. And it took some time to process those things. But I remember God distinctly saying to me in a moment, he said to me, you either let me in and allow me to deal with this and allow me to help you with your healing 
or this will define you for the rest of your life. And I just remember in that moment thinking like, I do not want this to define me. You ever meet those people? I know none of us in here are these people, but you ever meet those people that like you run into them and they like bring up something that happened like 15 years ago and you're like, oh my gosh, like that was a long time ago, you know? And you're just like, wow, you've been carrying around that for a while. I I like remember, I like had this image of me being that person like 15 years from now, being this person who walks into a room and says some comment and brings up some trash that happened 15 years ago. And I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, I do not want to be that person. Like that person is probably not a very happy person. And so I am so thankful that in that moment that I let God in and that I let him begin to heal me and that I let let him begin to guide me through that. Um, Because, you know, I can... I can honestly say I'm a testimony of his healing. I can stand on this platform today and honestly tell you that despite all that we walked through, I have never loved the local church more. I have never loved ministry more. I have never loved the people that I do ministry alongside with more. You know, and as unfortunate as it was that we had to walk through those things, I am so thankful because I probably would not be standing here today if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't know any of you. You know, I never would have experienced this. I never would have moved across the country, you know? And so I am so thankful. And I just want to remind you that God works everything for the good. He will redeem every single part of your heart, every single part. You know, his Bible, the, the Bible says that our tears, they, every single tear is recorded. He records them. So that tells me that there is not a single aspect of our hurt, of our pain that he does not see and that he does not redeem. So I just encourage you today, pursue healing, allow God to heal you. Don't resist it. And this is just some free advice for anyone who's in here today. So this is like a free for all, okay? Wherever you find yourself. The enemy, he's going to try to lie to you. And he's going to try to tell you that your contribution doesn't matter. That you are replaceable. That you, it doesn't really make a difference if you show up or not. Or that it just really doesn't matter. That we don't need you. That you're not needed. Um... And that those are complete lies, okay? Your contribution matters. Your contribution matters regardless of what you're contributing. You know, it doesn't matter if you're greeting, if you're attending the parking lot, if you're picking up trash, if you're helping someone find a seat, if you're, you know, leading us with the smooth vocals like Elton does. You know, it does not matter how you contribute it, it, because it has an eternal impact regardless okay? Your contribution matters. You know, I think about a year back or so um, before we launched this thing, before we launched Sozo, and I was up at like 3 a.m. Um, I was first-time mom. I was so sleep-deprived, and but I was like so passionate and focused on getting this thing off the ground, and I was designing a mailer, and it was a mailer that was going to go out to tell people about our launch, And um, I remember thinking, it was like 3 a.m., and I was like, does it even matter what this looks like? Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm just tired. I'm just going to go to bed. But I just remember God saying, it matters. 
And so I spent time just praying over that flyer. I know, I'm so super spiritual. Um, But I did, I spent time. I was intentional about every aspect of that flyer. And it wasn't really me, it was God working through me. But um, you know what's so cool? is today I can look out in this crowd and I can walk through these hallways and I see faces who are here because of that mailer they received. And I'm not telling you that to say like, oh, look what I have done. Like I could care less, I really could. I'm telling you that because it's about what he has done. It's about what he will do with what you give. It's about the eternal impact that it makes. It matters. Um, We have values here at Sozo. You can actually go and read them on our website. They're pretty good. I would go read them if you haven't read them yet. But one of my favorite values is the church is our mission. We believe that the church is the hope of the world. Jesus gave his life for the church. He is building the church, and we get the amazing honor to join his mission. We love the church, not just our church, but also the capital C church. We celebrate other churches. We believe that other churches in our city are our partners, not our competitors. We love, serve, build, and defend the church at all costs. The church is our mission. So today, I just want to take a minute as we close to just imagine what would happen if we went all in. What if we became contributors? What if we all combined all of our talents, all of our resources, all of our gifts to help build the local church? What if we made this house our home and began investing into it? What if we made it our mission to reach this city for Jesus? I think we would need more seats. I think we would need more services. I think we would need a bigger parking lot. I think we would need more campuses. We would need more staff. We would need more kids' rooms. We would need more because the truth of the matter is that we would be unstoppable if we all if we went all in because there is no limit to what God can do with a group of willing hearts. I think we would see people experience the same grace that we have and we would experience the fulfillment that comes from watching someone else discover their gifts and develop their leadership. We would see people move from being a consumer to becoming a contributor in the kingdom of God. And you might be sitting there saying, but I have nothing to offer. Like, Gabby, I'm not a designer. I can't make pretty pictures like you can. I have no gifts or talents. Well, let me tell you the good news. Jen always says, well, here's the good news. And I always like cringe when she says it because I can be a pessimist. But the good news is that he doesn't need anything from you except a willing heart. Your hands can be completely empty, but if your heart is willing, he'll put something in your hands to contribute. Psalms 51 says, for the source of your pleasure is not in my performance. I'm gonna just pause right there because I think that phrase alone is liberty for some people in this room, especially me. He is not pleased in my performance. Some of us just need to reflect on that verse. He continues on to say, it's not in my performance or the sacrifices I might offer you. The fountain of your pleasure is found in the sacrifice of my shattered heart before you. The New Living Translation version actually says, the sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. What is a broken spirit? It's not you crying yourself to sleep in your pillow every night because none of us do that, right? Um, A broken spirit is when our will is bent to his. 
when it's no longer about what we need and what we want, but it's about what he wants, what he desires and what he deserves. That's the best thing that we can give to him. The scripture is saying that God's greatest pleasure is not in you offering you works. It's in you offering you. He wants you. That is all he wants. That is the only thing he wants. He wants you. So today, I want to ask you, will you offer yourself to him today? I don't know what you walked into this room here with. I don't know your background. I don't know what you carried in here with you. But regardless of where you're at, if you can offer yourself to him, there's no limit in where he can take you and what he can do with you. He wants to do something new in your life and in your heart. He wants to bring you from glory to glory, and he wants to see you grow and to make a difference and to live out the full potential that he has inside of you. This verse has actually been my prayer for many years. You know how some people say like they kind of have a life verse. I think this verse would be considered my life verse. Um, And I pray today that it would become our prayer as well. Psalms 27 says, One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, He will keep me safe in his dwelling and he will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. That verse is so good. I'm gonna read it again in another translation. The Passion Translation says, here's one thing I crave from God, the one thing that I seek above all else. I want the privilege of living with him every moment in his house, finding the sweet loveliness of his face, filled with awe, delighting in his glory and grace. I want my life to live my life so close to him that he takes pleasure in my every prayer. In his shelter, in the day of trouble, that's where you'll find me, for he hides me there in his holiness. So in closing today, I pray that we would be a people who care about the one thing, who love this one thing, because I truly believe that if we build God's house, he will build our own. Thanks for listening. Join us each week on the podcast or live in San Francisco, California. Keep up with life at Sozo Church by following at Sozo Church SF on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a great day.